I'm going to be working through some practices. Everybody shout practices. Which means that what I'm going to teach you today, I want you to write down and I'm going to challenge you to practice it over the next couple of weeks, at least a few of them. All right, here's the psalmist. Psalm 16, verses 1 through 2. I mean, we're going to work through most of this psalm, though. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, Yahweh, you are my Lord. Confession. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you teach us as we continue to explore how to take some of the most important relationships in our lives to the next level. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please be seated. I want to celebrate the fact that while we're gathered here, that we have about 90 married couples up at Mount Hermon this weekend working on their marriages. Let's celebrate that. Give God a hand, praise. It's outstanding. So as you know, this series is about Handle With Care. It's about going to the next level, which for me means uh, going to the next level with the relationships that we have in our lives. And so we've talked about parenting and we've talked about kind of some general concepts around relationships. Let me make a quick announcement here. Uh, two weeks from now, not next weekend, but the weekend after Super Bowl, I'm going to talk about dating, and I'm going to take two weeks to talk about it uh, because lots have changed since I last dated, <laughs> 30-some years ago. Actually, I date regularly because uh, I have a wife and a girlfriend. Hey, come on, they happen to be the same person. All right. <laughs> and you want to keep your marriage fresh, you got to date, right? You got to stay fresh, be fresh. Uh, but... But in terms of being out there, uh, you know, it used to be young adults and teenagers. Now it's from 14 to 90. (laughs) I mean, the 87-year-old trying to figure out swipe right, swipe left. (laughs) You know, we have people who've married multiple times and some uh, have lost loved ones to death and they're trying to figure out how to get back out there. So God's word has some timeless insight for us, particularly in this day and age about dating. So um, everybody shout, two weeks. weeks. Get back here two weeks, invite your friends, make sure they know that we're going to be taking this subject up uh, big time. All right. Today, I want to focus on, because I've been talking about our horizontal relationships, I want to focus on our vertical relationship today. I want to talk about how do we improve, grow our relationship with God. Because I'm convinced that the deeper, the better, the more effective we are in our relationship with God, the more effective we become in our relationships with other people. So let's get started with that. And the first thing I want to do is to suggest that this psalmist that we read is a saying to us, a challenging us uh, to make a decision. Everybody shout, make a decision. Make a decision. Make a decision. Here's how he starts. He's he's, he's basically letting us know where he stands. Verse 1 and verse 2. He says, uh, Lord, I want you to keep me safe. Here's why. Because, my God, for in you, I take refuge. It's this way of saying, I have committed my total life to you. 
I've hid my life in you. So I'm depending on you to take care of me. Here's another way of saying it. Watch this. So I say to the Lord, Lord Yahweh there, you are my Lord. Everybody shout, you are my Lord. Lord. He's making a confession here. He's declaring uh, that the God of the universe is at the very center of his life. What he's really saying is this, my life belongs to God. Everybody shout, make a decision. I want to challenge you today. If you haven't made that decision, I want to encourage you to make a decision to make it true that your life belongs to God. Here's why. I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why. Here's why. Everybody shout, why? Number one, God is the only one in all of creation who actually can keep his word when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That means that when you're in the valley, God is with you. When you're on the mountaintop, God is with you. When you're working through sickness, God says, I'm with you. When you're struggling through the challenges of poverty, whether it's hunger or homelessness or living in a shelter, God says, I'm right there with you. Whatever the challenge that you're going through, your your, your boyfriend may have left you, your wife may have left you, your parents may forsake you. David put it like this, when my parents forsake me, even then the Lord will take me in. God is the only one who declares, wherever you are in life, I'm with you. Why wouldn't you give your life to him? And then secondly, his second incentive, everybody shout, why? Because if you really want to live your best life, you need to know the person who is the source of that life. You need to know his dreams for your life. Because he gave you that life. You don't have to figure it out on your own. Now, in our Christian faith, everybody shout, make a decision. decision. The decision is an act of faith. It's not an act of work, it's an act of faith. Here's what Paul teaches us in Romans uh, chapter 10, beginning verse 6. Notice what he says. If you want to start a relationship with God, he sent his son to help with that. He says, Uh, uh, But faith's way of getting right with God, that's the relationship language, says, don't say in your heart who will go up into heaven, the next verse, and pull God down, or who will go down to the grave and pull Christ up. Uh, What he's saying is, it's not about your works. Then here it is, verse 9, verse 10, he says, here's what it's about. He says, it's just as simple as this. Tell the person next to you, it's simple. It's just as simple as this. He says, if you openly declare, King James Version says, if you will confess with your mouth. That's what we heard the psalmist saying. He's saying, "Uh, uh, uh, Lord, you are my Lord. If you openly declare, notice the same language. Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God has truly raised him from the dead. Then that power will save you. Save you from death. Save you from sin. Uh, Savior. Now, does that mean that you won't have trouble in your life? Absolutely not. Does that mean you won't get sick? Absolutely not. Does that mean that you won't die? Absolutely not. What it says is that if you've given your life to Jesus, you'll go through all of that and then some. But Jesus will have the last word. And it is a word of victory. Come on, let's celebrate that. That's good news. Do you want him to have the last word over your life? Over your dreams? 
over your situation, over your circumstances, over your destiny. Make him Lord. Say you're the sinner. That doesn't make you perfect. It just says I want to be faithful. You're Lord. Notice how he summarizes. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. By believing in my heart. So believe that he, he loved me that much. He'll honor my word. And it is by openly declaring. Don't keep it to yourself. Baptism is one of the ways that we openly declare our faith. That you are saved. Now, I can imagine some of you thinking, well, everybody shout, make a decision. I would make a decision, somebody says, but doesn't it take two to be in a relationship? And I don't think, how do I know that God will make a decision for me? After all, my girlfriend walked out on me. After all, uh, I just got fired because they said I was not proficient at my job. As a matter of fact, when I think about me and look at the holes in my life, somebody is thinking, uh, uh, I wouldn't make a decision for me. I got some good news for you. Let me tell you the story. Rhonda, if she was here, she would tell you. She teases me all the time. This is true, probably. We've been married 33 years. And she says... We wouldn't be married today had she not made the first move. (laughs) And the fact of the matter is, as I think about it, she's right. Some of you may have heard the story. I'll give you a quick version. I I had just, I was sitting under a tree. Not in class, at Grandma State University, sitting under a tree. The girl that I've been trying to, thought I was in love with, trying to date for Two or three years had just said, forget it. My heart was torn in pieces. Uh, 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 Luther and others was playing in the background. (laughs) I'm just, I'm in depressed state under the tree. I did not know that across the street was an amazing woman watching the scene and God spoke to her Rhonda says and God says go speak to him that's your husband you see why you ought to be close to God <laughs> a lot of you folks say I just wish I would know God said come 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 <laughs> so Rhonda said look well maybe but I don't speak I mean the girl had people lined up around the block to go out with her so she's like I don't approach guys she's back and forth with God I don't know this is going on I'm in depression as the hee-haw used to gloom despair and agony on me some of y'all don't know that but uh, she says finally God said just go ask him a question so she comes across the street and she says do you work for the student government association and I look up and first thing I see is this lovely lady. And the next thing is, you know, no thought of anything attractive because that's just the source of my worst pain. So I just set in on my regular speech, which was, that's the student government office there. And yes, if you come between the hours of. And, and God said, I got him. This is what happens when you're in relationship with God. 
when your heart is open, he just dropped his spirit on me. That's the only way I can describe it. And I stopped mid-sentence. Look at him. He had maneuvered. I'm talking about allowing God to lead your life. He had maneuvered Rhonda across the street. Come on now. She asked the question, made the first move. Then he needed to open my eyes, and he touched me, and I got up. Stopped mid-sentence. Walked over to where she was. Caught her. Set her down. And said, let me tell you about the Student Government Association. (laughs) That turned into a six-hour tour. And 11 months later, we were married. 33 years later, we are still married. Shout hallelujah. Do you need any other reason why you need to know Jesus? Now, here's what I want you to get. Rhonda's right. I would have never made the first move. My previous relationship had convinced me I was unworthy. My previous relationship had convinced me that I was below the standard of anyone intelligent and brilliant and beautiful would want anything to do with me. My previous relationship had persuaded me that the best I had to offer was the scars that I wore externally and internally. And surely had I seen her, I would have never wanted to speak to her because I was beneath. I wasn't good enough. But God decides... To help her, and some of y'all getting a little bit in my dating, some of y'all need to be able to look past the package. And she looked beyond the package, come on now, and she saw something worth investing in. And so this is the good news of the gospel. Long before we were born, Romans uh, 5, 6 says this. He says, while we were utterly helpless... God shows up in Jesus Christ and he crosses the street and he asks us the question, do you want to be loved with an everlasting love? Do you want to be forgiven? Come on, with an ever-present forgiveness. Uh, Do you want to be empowered with one who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you? And then the text says, and so he died for us. So tell a person next to you, he died for you. Shed his blood to handle your shame and handle your guilt. So when he says you're forgiven, it's all paid for. So in Jesus, God makes the first move while we're sinners. And so he says to us today, make a decision. Come on, give God a hand, praise. Some of you need to make a decision to come back to him. So if you got a connection card or you're in the app or you're listening by video, this may be an opportunity for you to just say, I'm gonna, I want to make him Lord. That's the confession. Jesus, you're Lord. So the second thing, I'm going to finish this up. I want to spend this. So when you make a decision, let me show you something. Your relationship with God starts off Right like this, a little space between my hands. It's small. It's infant. Some of you've made a decision with God, but you've done nothing to nurture that relationship. Five years later, your relationship is still just like this. It's just like this. 
I want to teach you some practices through the psalmist today that if you will practice it, God will will work with you because he he wants to grow this relationship. Greater trust, greater commitment. He wants to keep growing over the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's a power that he wants to release in your life and he wants to grow this relationship until you come to a place where you're able to say, God is my everything. Not my boyfriend, not my spouse. God is my everything. Not my money, not my talent. God is my, shout everything. That's what the psalmist is teaching here. My everything. So let's look at it. If you were here a few weeks ago, you're going to recognize some of these principles. Because if you learn how to relate to people, it ought to help you relate to God. If you learn how to relate to God, it ought to help you relate to people. All right, let the psalmist help us here. First thing I'm going to suggest is, as we grow, everybody shout practice. practice. Write this down, I want you to practice it. As we grow this relationship, I want you to learn, practice, how to look for God's goodness and affirm it regularly, daily. Shout Daily. 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 All right, here's what the psalmist says. Somebody says, well, how do I know when I see God's goodness? Here's what the psalmist says in verse 2. Psalms 16, verse 2, he says, he says, uh, everything good in my life. Here it is. Apart from you, I have no good thing. The The NLT says, everything good in my life comes from you. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord, the Father, right? All right, so somebody said, well, I got a lot of stuff in my life. Then that, the bad, does that come from God? Somebody said, well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. With, I'm living in a, in a homeless shelter. Does that come from God? No, that's not God's plan for your life. Somebody says, I'm, I'm dealing with sickness. Does that come from God? No, that's not God's plan for your life. When God made the creation, he looked at it and he said it was good. It had none of that going on. That's the impact of, of the brokenness of life caused by sin and all of its place. Somebody says, look, I'm on the wrong side of justice. Does that come from God? No, that's not God's plan for your life. So where can I find God uh, moving in my life? And what the psalmist says is that wherever you can find goodness at work, there is the imprint of God. Look for the shout, goodness of God. For the goodness of God. All right. Now, I'm just going to keep hammering this. I talked about this with parents. I've talked about this before. I'm going to talk about it again. Watch this. Notice, everybody shout, look for it. So many of us are trained to identify the negative first. You got you to you retrain yourself, including myself. Let me give you an example. I woke up this morning and looked out the window, and it was raining. And I was like, oh, my God, stop fussing with God. I saw the negative. I said, God, I can't believe it. You're going to let it rain today. And I asked Google how cold it is. Google told me how cold it was. I said, God, you're going to let it be like this. You know we got almost 200 people out, and you know when, when it's raining, folk gonna stay at home. God, come on, God, I've been working all night on this message. I mean, really, God, really? And, and, and God had to whisper to me. He said, but, uh, 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 son, you're in my business. Get out of my business. 
Who shows up? That's my business. Come on now. Uh, you don't know. I'm waking up people right now. Come on now. I'm stirring them right now. And, and, and they're going to make their way through the rain. Look at what he's done. He knows what he's doing. Look at y'all here. Come on now. He can handle his business. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Before I left the house, as I think about the sticks, then he showed me something. He said, what you should have been saying, rather than fussing with me about the rain, and who going to show up? You should have been saying, Lord, thank you for waking me up. Amen. <laughs> Talking about his goodness, y'all. Uh, thank you that the blood's still running warm in my veins. Thank you that I could get myself out of bed by myself. Come on. Thank you that I had some Fruit Loop and some toast to eat before I left the house. Come on. Thank you that I could jump in a car and make my way through the rain to the church. Thank you that I'm the pastor of such a fabulous church. Thank you that, oh, look at the goodness of God that I should have been focused on, but I was distracted by the negative. Gets in the way of your praise. So you got to train yourself. Look for the goodness of God. Hmm. Number two, affirm it. Everybody shout affirm it. Somebody shout how. how. All right, all right, all right. Let me give you two things. This comes out of my space. For the goodness of God. Look, look what the psalmist does. He starts in verse 5 through 7. Watch him. Five, verse 5 through 7. They put up the 16, verse 5 through 7. Uh, Lord, he says, notice he's talking to the Lord now. Everybody shout, Lord. Lord. He ain't talking to y'all. Lord, you alone are my portion. The images of a big fat plate. I was at the Warriors game, and, and they let me sit up in the exclusive place, and I could get free food. And don't ever let me get where I can get free food. I, I had two plates. Come on down. <laughs> sitting down on the table and that's what the writer is saying he said he says God uh, you are my portion in other words uh, 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 you, you you knowing you is like having a big fat plate of of love and and grace come on now he says and and and, and by the way God you're my cup that's like a, a nice glass of, of of wine expensive uh, uh, uh knowing you is like sweet wine he says he says and you make my lot secure that's that's the language of God you've carved out a, some property for me me to live at. Uh, 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 even if I'm living in a shelter now, you just got to believe that, that God is for you, not against you. That, that God is ahead of you and not just with you. And that, and that if you keep lifting your eyes and keep pushing forward, he's got a lot for you. Come on now. He's got a provisions for you. And he's saying, God, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just praising you for who I know you are. Come on now. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delight for in hand. In other words, God, I know the destiny that you have for me. Here's how the here's how the here's how the writer says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to bring you the harm. God, I know that. I don't feel like it right now. Life is not suggesting it, but I'm gonna look beyond and oh good God Almighty. I will praise the Lord. Shout out, praise the Lord. Okay, let me let me let me translate it for you. All right, so I got to see the goodness. It means I got to look for it. By the way, one lady told me that how she keeps focused on the goodness, she keeps a journal. 
And every morning she writes down some examples of God's goodness. Let me give you a thing here. Tomorrow, you're going to start off somewhere complaining. Here's a rule. Everybody say, listen up. When you catch yourself complaining, stop and come up with three examples of goodness. Next time you complain to your boyfriend, your husband, your kids, stop. Say, Pastor Herman told me I can't finish this complaint until I identify three things that's going well. If you try it, raise your hand. Come on, come on. If you're going to try it, raise your hand. Come on, come on, come on. Hold it. All right, good. Oh, my God, I'm excited. Okay, all right. Then affirm it. See it, affirm it. How do I do it? Praise. What does that mean? Let me teach. Let me illustrate. Rick Warren says that we preachers, as we preach and teach on Sunday, we should not expect to hit a home run every weekend. And he's sort of right about that. He said, what we should do is try to get on base. Just try to get on base. And it's the consistency of preaching, or first base, second base, that moves you deeper into discipleship. Not hitting home runs every day. But every now and then. Can somebody say every now and then? God allows me to see that he let me hit a home run. I can tell by the reaction and by the comments of the people. And, and, and sometimes it's just full and, and, the, and the presence of God's spirit. Be so, so when I get home, the first thing, everybody shout, celebrate with God. You know, you, you know when something happens, you always, there's some people, two or three people you want to call so that you can celebrate. And when you celebrate, you go through what went down and talk to them about it and get excited about it and laugh about it and all that. Well, I've learned to do that first with God. So I call them up. I call I, I, I get them. I say, God. And I, I start celebrating. I said, oh, God, thank you for giving me that word. And then I'll just start reliving it. I said, God, I remember when you showed me the text, it didn't make any sense to me. I thought it was just dull. I can't believe how you led me to that text. And then, Lord, I was going to walk away, but you suggested don't come back. And then, and, and then as I started looking at it, then boom, it, it opened up. And Lord, that very first point, do you know what that young man told me after the service was over, the gathering was over? He told me about how it transformed. Lord, I wasn't smart enough to figure that out. You opened up my mind and poured that in. I can't believe you did that, oh God. And as I start reliving the experience, I'm celebrating with him. I'm thinking him. Uh, I'm saying, yes, God, I praise you for it. Yes, I'm excited about it. Oh, my God. Did you see that? I'm just sharing it with God. Tell the person next to you, go home and try that. Yeah, yeah. Something good happened at work? Share it. Relive it with God. Suddenly it gets personal. And then watch, watch, watch the next verse, verse 7 and 8. Watch what he does here. Watch what he does here. So he first starts talking to God, reliving it with God, proclaiming the future with God. And then watch this. He says, I'll praise the Lord. Uh Uh-oh. And then notice this, verse 7. I will praise the Lord. The tense change. He's now talking to people who are listening. So number one, celebrate with God. That's how you affirm his goodness. Number two, Celebrate what God has done with others. Tell other people about your, everybody shout, God story. Tell them, you know, the goodness of God. Look, when you're at work, 
Don't just talk only about Game of Thrones and the Ben watching experience that you had. Yeah, that's fine. Don't just talk only about this is us and what happened in the last, last night when you were watching it. Yeah, go ahead. Don't just think, talk only about the Super Bowl and who did what and who won. Yeah, talk about that. But in the middle of it, if God is right at the center of your life, if he's the portion of your life, you ought to have a story about it. You go up there and say, hey, by the way, can I tell you my God story? They're going to say, Oh, God, so yeah, I just want to tell you what God did in my life. Is that all right? Yeah, and then you just, just lay out where you saw God moving in your life. And I told y'all the last few weeks, kids and husbands in particularly loves to hear spouses and parents brag on them in listening distance. We love to overhear it. Let God overhear you bragging on him. Write that down. That's money right there. Write that down. (laughs) Don't be afraid. People want to know what it's like for you to love God. All right. All right. Okay. I got that done. Secondly, second, everybody shall practice it. Second practice. Learn to ask God first. Shout it with me. Say, ask God first. There's a wonderful story in 2 Samuel. Well, actually, before I get to 2 Samuel, it's right here in the text. Let me start. In verse, uh, verse 7. Put verse 7 up in, in, in uh, Psalm 16, verse 7. You put that up. And he talks about, I will praise the Lord. And then, and then he says in verse 7, I'll praise the Lord, who counsels me even at night, he uses my heart and it instructs me. He counsels me. How does he counsel me? That means I, I, I'm, 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 I'm bringing my questions to him uh, on my bed. I'm, uh, it is a wonderful story about David. He had just become king of Israel and the Philistine army was about to attack him. And they had surrounded him. And he was in his stronghold. And in 2 Samuel, I think it's chapter 5, verse 19. Uh, and, and, and as a matter of fact, if you read through the earlier chapters, this is how he's defined as, a, as an, an amazing, faithful leader. Here's what he says. So he's surrounded. Here's what he says. So David asked the Lord. King James Version says he inquired of the Lord. Learn to inquire. Should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? We're surrounded. If, if, if you say stay, I'll stay. If you say go out, I'm going to go out. What you want me to do? I'm your man. My total life is in your charge. And he says, the Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead. Why? Because I, God says, will certainly hand them over to you. You see that? Uh, David reviews his battle plan with God. Do you need to ask God about your battle plan? Do you need to ask God about your business plan? Do you need to ask God about the agenda for the meeting that you're going to facilitate? Do you need to ask God, there's a young woman over there that you really want to talk to. You don't know whether you should talk to her or not. She kind of looks cute. He kind of looks handsome, but he could be a deception to the eyes. God, do you need to ask God about your battle plan? Whew. 
Ask God first. Then go ahead and ask everybody else, but ask God first. And then when you start asking everybody else, listen for God's answer to come back to you. To the folk that you talk to. To him speaking in your spirit. Everybody shout, ask God first. Okay. Number four. Uh, learn to dwell in God's presence. Everybody shout, dwell. Dwell often in God's presence. Go back to that same verse. Verse 8. Verse 8. I love verse 8. Uh, 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 verse 7. We've just finished verse 8. Uh, in, in that, look what it says. It says, it says I, I, I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right hand. I will not be shaken. How do you do that? Well, Psalms 46, uh, 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Wait, did you see the, the, let's look at this again. Everybody shout, be still. I can't get the revelation until I slow down. Now, a lot of us, when we go to God, you know, the scripture says, ask, seek, and knock, and he will, he, you know, he'll answer. So most of our times going to God, I just told you, inquire. So we're inquiring, but that shouldn't be the breath of how you deal with God. There ought to be some times when you go to God not to ask, not to seek, not to knock. You ought to just go to God with an open agenda and say, God, I want to be still before you. Put on a little worship music in the background. Say, Lord, I don't want to ask you for nothing. I want to tell you about nothing. I just want to just sit here for 10, 15 minutes in your spirit, in your presence. And if you got something to say to me, speak it. If you got something to reveal, reveal it. If you don't have anything, that's all right. I just want to hang out with you right here. That's called practicing the presence of God. Everybody shout, practice it. Now here's what will happen. Sometimes nothing will happen. You go on about your day. But 24 hours later, you run into a major crisis. And suddenly you have the strength. It does not shake you up. Remember the, the, the psalm that says, I will not be shaken. And you're wondering, how come it didn't shake me up? Because he filled you up. I was at the game the other night, and, and uh, it was a wonderful time. We took a lot of our staff, and it was fellowship, Christian fellowship night. And I don't know how they did it. Somebody sneaked up there, and they put my name up there, and the NBCC names. They welcome NBCC and Pastor Herbert. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. It's awesome. <laughs> and then we were on the program, right? And uh, uh, they hadn't announced it, but I knew because I knew the guy who was organizing that Steph Curry was going to be the tester, the one to speak. You know I love Steph Curry. So I'm, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm about as far from Steph Curry as here to L.A. He's sitting over there, and I still couldn't talk to him anyway. <laughs> but in his testimony, he shared something. He quoted, he said, listen, I just want to share this passage that I've been walking with and living with recently for the last few weeks he said the lord just put this in my spirit i love that this is how he's talking second corinthians uh chapter 12 verse 7 uh, through 9 and he pulled out his little bible on his phone and he read it and, and the essence of it is that he, it's about paul saying he has a thorn in his side i'm so glad that paul didn't name the thorn because a thorn is different for us, right? But the lesson of the thorn is that 
Just because you know Jesus does not mean, come on, life is going to not be thorny. There's some pain that you're going to have to live through. Come on. And so he said, I asked Jesus to move it three times. Three in the Bible is completion in that context. And, and Steph is reading it. And Steph said, he read, and the Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient. And my strength is made manifest, is realized or revealed in your weakness. And so Steph started talking about it. He says, a lot of times we think we know God and the great successes and all the things that are going right. He says, but often it's only when we're dealing with our weaknesses and the pain that won't go away. That's when we really discover more and more about who God is. And as I was listening to him, I knew I could, I could see behind what he was dealing with because, you know, he's broke his hand after only playing six games. And, and, and so this rest of the season, all of his dreams crashed. All of his hopes crashed. All he can do is cheer from the background. And so there's a thorn. He couldn't do anything about it. There's some things he's powerless about. And yet he's learning how to trust God. Come on now. In the moment. Y'all ain't listening. In that season. And it came through a revelation. I believe Steph has spent some time with God. Come on now. Uh, not just talking but some time listening. If you do that, that makes sure that you end up saying, God is my, my everything. And then let me finish here. Everybody shout, practice it. Practice. Let me finish here. Last thing. Practice loving people as an act of faithfulness to God. Can you write that down? Practice loving people as an act of faithfulness to God. First John um, chapter, put the first John text up there, I think it's four, whatever it is. Uh, The writer says, this is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We talked about that. So, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. Watch the next verse. Come on. Uh, uh, No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. Let me tell you, here's the point. I told you about how Rhonda and I met, storybook romance, 11 months we were married. How many of you know that before you get married, opposites attract. After you get married, opposites attack. (laughs) The first 10 years we were attacking, attacking, attacking. And for a thousand different reasons, there were moments when I, 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 I had no reason to treat her right. There were moments when she had no reason to treat me right. But we, 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 we did the right thing. We made the right choice. Not because I deserved it or she deserved it. But we did it as an act of faithfulness to God. Because we took our vows not with each other, but also with God. And we learned how to forgive for God. We learned how to be grace-filled for God. And as we did it for God, God changed me. And God changed her. Practice loving. I should put it like this. 
hard people as an act of faithfulness to God. Go ahead, celebrate, give God a hand, praise. That's it. (laughs) If you start putting into practice what I've just taught you, you will watch your relationship go like this. It'll get more trust, more commitment. Your experience, God, you'll know when God overtakes your life. He'll wake you up in the midnight hours sometime and start stirring in you. You'll just start praising God. There's nobody there but you. I'm just telling you, if you just start practicing, he'll strengthen you for the journey ahead. Go ahead, give God a hand, praise.